0: No matter where you live in the world, you can't escape sports. They're a multi-billion dollar entertainment industry dedicated to bringing more eyes onto them in order to make them more money. Sports can also be more local, enjoying some time outside with church friends and with others. But what role should sports play in our lives? Should we avoid them altogether? What is the attitude we should have while we engage in them as fans or as players? A Christian life is one dedicated to balance. Understanding that when we are blessed by God, is our responsibility to honor Him and honor other people with those blessings. Welcome to the Pilgrim Center. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. I'm Alexander, and unfortunately, Charlie is not here. Uh, but I do have some other friends that still make us interracial today as we talk about Jesus. Uh, so we have a couple of uh, guys that I go to church with, big fans of them. Uh, so we have two guys who also run other podcasts on sports, and since we're talking about sports, we figured it'd be a great time to have them on. Uh, so we have one from the Sports, uh, sports Mill, our friend Clay Miller. And from the Sully Sports Hub, we have our friend Andrew Sullivan. So thankful to have them both on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. I wish my podcast was as regular as this one, but I'm glad (laughs) to be on. Uh, Yeah, that's a lot of work. But really thankful for these guys. And I'm gonna leave the link to both of their podcasts in uh, our description. So if you want to if you're interested in content, that is a lot of sports content can be pretty trashy. So if you're looking for not that Go look at their stuff. It's really good. All right. So, really excited for this opportunity to collaborate with them. And as we jump in, I want to talk about just like why this topic even came to mind, why we're bringing them on, all this type of stuff. So, sports, of course, are a big part of our world, and they actually have quite a bit of influence on the scripture. Uh, the first example I thought of of a sport that happens in scripture is actually Jacob's wrestling with God at Peniel, because, you know, wrestling is a pretty big sport. Uh, there's also a lot of running, uh, Elijah's race against Ahab's chariot, uh, the encouragement at the Isaiah four, uh, at the end of Isaiah 40, which is really popular that even youths grow weary, but those who trust in Lord will regain their strength and they can run and not grow weary. Uh, so the old Testament doesn't contain a ton of those examples, but the culture starts changing as you go from the old Testament to the new, t- new Testament. So when we have that change in the Greek and Roman empires, we see that language really seep into the culture of the New Testament. Uh, The first Olympics that we know of occurred in 776 BC and ran until Emperor Theodosius of Rome, discontinued them in the 4th century AD, uh, which is 400 years after the beginning of Christianity, and Theodosius stopped uh, encouraging the Olympics because they were typically uh, associated with worship of Zeus. We have a couple of interesting sports references in the New Testament, uh, especially coming on the week of Easter. We have the, the hilarious uh, John beating Peter to the tomb that gets referenced all the time around this time of year. Uh, we also have Paul making a lot of these references. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about the race, in the race, all the runners run, but one receives the prize and talking about how they do it to receive a wreath that is perishable, but ours will be imperishable. Uh, In 2 Timothy, when he's talking to uh, his young protege, he talks about how bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also life to come, as well as an athlete cannot be crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In 2 Timothy, Um, I'd also be willing to argue that uh, Hebrews 12 is a reference to like, the Olympic crowd as they're cheering people on uh, the great cloud of witnesses. So all the things that we have re- containing sports or athletics or competition or discipline, they're ultimately supposed to be pointing to underlying spiritual realities that our competition isn't really with one another. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be encouraging each other, but we all get to win together. If we put our, our faith and our trust in the right place, we can wear the crown of life together. Um, so, There are, of course, though, some differences between sports and the Christian walk. Uh, So a few things like in only the silliest of circumstances do two people win at the same time. There was a disc golf competition like a year ago that that happened also in their first cars. But I don't think that counts. So I want to begin, though, talking about competition and how we handle that. Because I'm a competitor, I really love to compete. I've learned that about myself that when I get cooped up, and uh, and I don't get the opportunity to do that, it gets really frustrating on me. So uh, we have this instance that happened pretty recently, and especially the women's March Madness between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, and they kind of had this, or at least what I've learned from Andrew and Andrew and, and uh, Clay helped me have seen that there was a little bit more tension in this whole thing. But I guess when we're thinking about how you respond on the field when you're being a competitor, uh, how you have class, what does that look like? Um, So I wanted to ask them from the get-go here that should a Christian feel comfortable celebrating or mocking in the same way that uh, Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark did or like Tyreek Hill or Patrick Beverly or like any of those other people, how would you feel in in one of those scenarios?
2: Yeah, I think if, if I was somebody playing against them, it probably would be something that I would just end up laughing at, but obviously, you know, that, that doesn't make it okay for those people. And my view on celebration and these kind of things in general from a broad perspective is that, you know, and there's probably some ways you can find an exception with this is that, I think celebration with your own teammates is great. And when you start to involve the other team, that's usually when things start to get a little more dicey. And, you know, you already mentioned the competition aspect of this. You know, when people are that engaged in something, when they care that much about something, they're going to be excited about it if things go their way and if they end up winning. But that doesn't mean that you have to put the other person down in that. And so when somebody wins a district championship, like they should be ecstatic. They should be jumping for joy because that accomplishment is a culmination of all the hard work that their team put in. But similar to a few of the specific taunts you mentioned, you know, celebration doesn't require putting down the other opponent. Like you're you're already in a good enough position after you've had that great achievement by yourself. And celebration is not an excuse to be arrogant, which is very different from joy. So i think in general this is also a really good opportunity and probably will some something we'll talk about more is that this is a good opportunity for christians to give credit to god as well when they succeed rather than taking the opportunity to put someone else down so mm-hmm. a lot of times i think we hear that on a post-game interview and it kind of just feels like a cliche and there probably are a lot of people that use it as a cliche but it's still something i think that's really important for us to consider especially you know in our highest moments for sure
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that we're talking about sports today in this topic. And obviously, you know, I care about sports a lot. I know there are people who don't. But I think it's a good topic to talk about because sports involve a lot of attitudes and a lot of things that point to how we should act in the church or just in our daily lives. And this is a part of it is how do you deal with winning? How do you deal with losing? How do you deal with celebration? And, you know, I agree with a lot of what Sully said. There's nothing wrong with taking pride and celebrating your hard work. I mean, that should be something that's natural. And so if you put a lot of time and effort into something and then you get the desired result, you should you should feel proud of that. And you should be able to celebrate what you've accomplished. But you should never use a celebration opportunity to demean an opponent, to put someone else down and to really make it about yourself. And I think that's kind of the biggest problem with a lot of the sports celebrations that we see is these athletes know that eyes are on them and it's what can I do to make someone else look foolish and make myself look better. Mm-hmm. And if that is your motivation for celebrating, I, I think that's an issue. And this is not just in sports either sports is like where we see it the most, but I think this is a problem that we all struggle with this idea of, well, look at look how bad this person did compared to me. And we want to gloat about it. We want to make sure everybody knows, but really that's not the point of celebration. And that shouldn't be the point of what we strive to do as Christian And so the question that I really think it comes down to is, am I celebrating because I'm honestly joyful and happy for my accomplishment and my teams? Or is it because I'm selfish and I'm trying to promote my ego? And that's really where, you know, the Lord knows your heart. And I would like to think a lot of times other people can judge your character as well. And that's going to come across in how you celebrate.
0: Yeah. Really good thoughts there. I, I appreciate that. Especially the consideration of, you know, am I doing this because something good has been done or am I just simply doing it to demean other people? It has to be uh, seriously taken into consideration. Uh, but, you know, there is this struggle, uh, even for me who played only amateur sports, uh, only kind of recreational. But even in those circumstances, things can get pretty heated. Uh, So both of you guys played um, high school athletics. So I just wanted to ask you all about what do you think or why do you think it's hard to be uh, respectful in those heated, heated circumstances? And what do you think we can do better to handle those uh, when things get heated?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I played baseball in high school. Um, I think this idea might even be more true with individual sports, but it certainly applies to team sports as well is like, one of the best and worst things about sports is the responsibility that they involve because when you lose, especially in a more individually focused sport, but also in a team sport, you have nobody else to look at but yourself and your teammates around you as to why that happened. And a lot of times we don't really like blame very much and it's, it's very easy in those situations to want to blame something else or to lash out and or treat the officials terribly because it couldn't possibly have been our fault that we, that we lost the game. It couldn't possibly have been our lack of preparation or us just not being good enough. And, you know, on a side note with that, like there, uh, the scripture applies to officials as well. We don't just get to like treat them terribly because they're wearing a different shirt than everybody else mm-hmm. out there. And that's something that parents really, I think need to be aware of because it's really easy to feel like you're defending your kid when in reality, you're just, you know, mistreating the officials. But in in general, Sports can really lead to ego problems if in success or defeat. I think we forget about the defeat part a lot of the time because we know that our personal performance is what leads to a win or a loss, but a lot of times it's easy to trick ourselves that that's really not the case, or it's really easy to tie our self-worth to the outcome of a game Mm. and allow our emotions to get tied up in something that's really, it really doesn't matter. It, uh, It doesn't change our lives as a whole you know, for the most part, unless you're some crazy good athlete that's going on and making a bunch of money doing that full time. And so I think if we want to maintain poise, when a call goes against us, or when we blow a big lead, we really have to try to remove our ego and self-worth from these situations to take a deep breath and see the big picture and understand that there's far more important things, you know, at work and in this world. And, you know, even just in, in sports.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything Sully just said. I really like this question, just because I have seen sports. You know, obviously, like I said, I'm, that's one of the main things I like in life. I have seen sports do stuff to people that you would never see anything else do. Whether it's you know people standing in front of their TV just yelling at an inanimate object because their team isn't doing well. You know, I've seen parents who I thought were really good people berating officials, berating coaches because their their son or daughter isn't getting enough playing time or. It's unfair. And, I have, and I've seen athletes in circumstances where things get heated, where they say and do things that they would never do otherwise. And I, I ask why that is. Like, Why do people feel comfortable doing that in that situation and never anywhere else? And I think it's because sports have this ability that's both good to take us away from normal life and get our mind off of things, but also bad in a way in that we feel like we're like separate from being a Christian now. Like there, here's our sports time and we kind of forget, I think, that we're still called to a standard. And that's kind of the biggest thing I think we have to realize is whether it's a heated circumstance with friends, at work, in sports, as Christians, all of it's the same. We can't be a different person when we go put on a uniform or when we're in a heated circumstance in sports. And maybe this doesn't apply to you as much as if you're not interested in sports, but this idea that when you come in the midst of of some heated circumstance that you're really invested in, that doesn't give you the right to suddenly stop being a Christian. We're supposed to treat people with kindness and act like Christ would, even if, you know, it is a heated circumstance. And, And this is a scriptural podcast. I know Alexander and Charlie do a really good job. I want to read Titus 2, verses 8, talking about our works here. It says, We should have sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you your example even on the sporting field is going to come back to other people Mm -hmm. and so you need to remember that you're reflecting christ if even if you are playing a sport You, you don't take the christian jersey off just because you put a sports jersey on
2: and i would argue even more so because when everybody else is going crazy and you're not then that's way more noticeable than when everybody else around you is you know pretty chill and not too worried about stuff so if you can demonstrate that more even in those moments when everybody else is expecting chaos and you know disrespectful attitudes and that kind of stuff, that, I think that's a really good opportunity for you to stand out as somebody with a different attitude.
0: Amen. Amen. I love that. Don't take the Christian Jersey off. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, so let's see what flashback to, Oh boy, 2014. I'm pretty sure Richard Sherman, Aaron Andrews, Post game press conference NFC Championship, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, and that's like that is one of the. I remember my parents being flabbergasted when that happened because Richard Sherman is kind of going off, and Aaron Andrews is shocked, and and the whole nation is just it's going a little nuts there. Uh, so in that instance, you know, this guy's coming down from a very intense uh, situation high on adrenaline, no doubt, like all this is going on. Uh, but one of the things that bothered me most, I guess, about that situation, and you guys can tell me if you think differently. Uh, but like, even after he calms down from that situation, I'm not sure Richard Sherman ever apologized. So do you think that there is, you know, how do we know that when we've gone too far in these situations, when we've gotten too heated or, overly competitive into a demeaning way and how do we learn to apologize or you know repent when we've when we've gone that far
1: well first of all you know if you are someone who is a christian and you are someone who is a spiritual person you know you should have a conscience that tells you when you may have done something you should now not always sometimes people don't see what they do and you know that's something that you kind of just have to have some self-awareness but even if you don't you know There's a way to tell if you hurt someone's feelings. There's a way to tell if your anger got the best of you. And a lot of times I I can struggle with this. The way I say things in my head comes across fine. But to other people, I don't understand how they received that. I don't understand that they may have taken that personally. And you have to be really cognizant with that, especially in sports, because it is in the heat of the moment. And you may say something you didn't mean, but it really did affect someone, especially in like personal relationships I mean, I have seen, even in casual sporting events, casual games, people say something that creates tension, Mm. and they don't realize it, and they're not willing to apologize. And so I think, Sully kind of hit on this, you need to remember that there are much more important things than any sporting event that we're going to play. That being friends with one another, being Christians with one another, and being a good example is much more important. And at the end of the day, you do have to put aside your pride And the way to go about apologizing, I really just think is, is to take personal responsibility and understand that you're not being, you're not getting something like your, your manhood, you're taken from you because you're (laughs) apologizing. In fact, you want to repair that relationship. And that shows a lot of, you know, accountability, a lot of strength to be able to say, I'm wrong. Will you please forgive me?
2: Yeah. The relationship thing I think is, is really important because especially when it's like intramurals or something like, I know this, like this is something that I struggle with because like when I'm playing, like I'm trying to win, like I'm going hundred percent, you know, that's my goal. And that doesn't mean that I, I'm going to be over the top to people, but that's my focus is I'm trying to win. But other people, like they just want to play and have fun. And so there's, and a lot of times there's a difference there where, you know, I, I would be willing to go play center if I need to, if that's, what's, you know, if that's, what's going to help us win other people, if you ask them to play center, they're going to be offended because they think that, that you're telling them that they're bad at football right? So you have to understand the relationships you're working with, like how what you say is going to affect other people. And this might be a little overly simplistic, but to me, and this goes to what Clay has already said, I think we know we've gone too far when we're doing things that we just wouldn't say anywhere else outside of the field. Like if you wouldn't say this to somebody else in a conversation about anything else other than sports, then it's probably not right. You know, if, and like Clay said, if we turn into a different person, meaning that more than just competitiveness gets dialed up as we enter the field, then I think it's time to re-examine the way that we act. And with learning to apologize, you know, I think it's tr- good to try to mend those situations as soon as possible after the game ends. like When everything has cooled off a little bit, when people are resting on the sideline, then go up, like have a conversation with that person because they are also probably going to be you know, pretty intense in the heat of the moment where that conversation may not go over well. And it also will probably allow you to think a little bit more about the best way to apologize, the best way to approach that person. Uh, And then hopefully the conversation is effective rather than one that just gets dismissed. And you really have a chance to genuinely apologize for what you did. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's a very important question because we're not going to be perfect right in anything that we do and i've had to i've had to apologize for something i've said or done on a sports show before um and i think it's like it's all about how you respond you know we can tell you this is what how you should act but we're all going to mess up and, and i think alexander does a good job posing that question of how do you handle things when you do do something you should
0: really good answers guys I, I really appreciate that that's been uh a lot on, very much on my mind, as I've thought about wanting to be a better competitor. And as Clay mentioned earlier, both of y'all mentioned that Christianity cannot simply be an aspect that gets left at home whenever we engage in things that we enjoy, um, and especially in this case. Uh, one of the things that both of you mentioned also is ego. So I wanted to kind of bring up, do you guys see a difference between uh, pride and confidence and how can we distinguish those things so that we can be confident, if that's the good one, instead of prideful?
1: Yeah, I think confidence is a necessary aspect of life. And the Bible talks about confidence. You, there's, there are things that you can be confident in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing about confidence is that it is not biased. It's not an ego thing. It's an, eternal, an internal feeling because you know that something's going to happen, you you've put in the work, and in sports, you know, if that's the case, a lot of professional athletes they can be confident that they're going to perform because they practice and they put in the work. We can be confident that we're good at our jobs because we have a degree or we've put in a lot of hours to be good at what we do. But pride, I think, is something entirely different. It is you can also have that internally, but a lot of times pride is something that's hard to keep within. It, mm. it comes out and it especially affects the way that you treat people. You can be confident, but you can also be kind in the way that you treat people. Pride a lot of time leads to arrogance, and you end up once again hurting people's feelings a lot. And so as soon as you start letting that ego affect the way you treat other people, uh, letting it affect the way that you talk to other people, that's when we're no longer talking about confidence.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially you know in athletics, if you – if you don't believe that you can do something, it's probably not gonna happen. You know, if you're walking up to the free throw line at the end of a game and you think you're gonna miss the free throws, then odds are like that you're clanking both of them because you, mm. you never believed you could in the first place. So I think there's there is a difference in I can do this, I'm prepared for this, I know I'm good enough to do this, versus I'm absolutely way better than the other team, and there's no chance that I would ever lose this game. And if I do win, then that shows how much better I am than the other team. And to me, you know, obviously those are two extremes on either, on either side. But I think confidence really is the necessary mindset just to be able to compete at a high level. And like Clay said, is something that is, is really healthy because one of the things that I think sports help us do is, you know, understand that we can do difficult things that we can fight through and persevere and, 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 have a good work ethic and accomplish something. Uh, and I think that translates outside of sports as well. But that's something where confidence definitely comes into play for us. Mm.
0: Yeah. I like the way both of the, that was worded and taking into consideration that pride usually comes out as lashing out against other people or demeaning them and their skills instead of just taking confidence in the abilities that we've been working hard and striving towards. So I think that's a good way to think about it. All right. So, done talking a little bit about ego, pride, and confidence. And when we come back in a little bit, we're going to be talking about some sports idolatry. We'll be right back. <laughs> Another dangerous aspect of uh, when we think about sports and relating to our Christian life is idolatry. Uh, So, do you guys know the most expensive Super Bowl ticket this year? My guess would be like seventy-five thousand.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even want to put a guess on it. And it's definitely in the six digits.
0: Yeah.
1: Or five digits.
0: Yeah. So 75,000 is pretty close. So upwards of $36,000, which is absurd amount of money. Like that's pretty close to how much I make a year. <laughs> um so the NFL makes 18 billion dollars a year. The NBA makes almost 10 billion dollars a year. MLB made 10 billion last year. So those three like the big three sports in the United States bring in almost 40 billion dollars a year. Um the NHL brings in $6 billion, which I was surprised about. March Madness on its own brings in $700 million for the NCAA. The MLS uh, brings in $210 million. So, like, there is a ton of money being poured into merchandising and going to see sports. And, you know, we're, we're not only just paying for these sports to go and see these people, but we're also paying a lot of money to make the next generation. Like, families are being invested in making their kids – be you know the future athletes so there's a real there's a reality like I there are some athletes that I admire and most of the ones that I admire uh, claim to be Christians at least to some extent Uh, so Dansby Swanson uh, and his new wife Mallory uh, formerly formerly Pew now Swanson I've been praying for her to get well soon Uh, and then uh, Boyukai Osaka who plays in the English Premier League uh, they all claim to be christians and i think it's reflected thus far in their attitudes and how they play how they are as uh, team players however most athletes are seen for their overindulgence in money and their alcohol and other drugs and mistreatment of their romantic partners there's plenty of domestic abuse uh, sexual assault is rampant in these circles Um, but in a lot of ways these people are set up as our greek gods like we pay their checks we bring attention to them um. So I want to ask, do you guys think that Christians should look up to athlete, athletes period and how do we do a better job of discerning who we look up to?
2: Yeah. I mean, first, I just think it's a good reminder that the world is a broken place and it shouldn't really surprise us that the people with the most resources, the most access to evil things are going to take advantage of that. Like, the, there's a lot of normal people in this world that would be doing the same things that these athletes do with their money if they were if they had access to the same thing and obviously that means that we have to be wise about what we're admiring with these people and for me I think it just comes down to how much you can compartmentalize things in your own mind like I love watching LeBron play basketball like if somebody asked if I was a LeBron James fan my answer would probably be yes but that doesn't mean that I like I agree with all his opinions on the geopolitical relationship between the United States and China, or you know every political stance that he has, or any of those types of things. And but what I what I claim to be a fan of is not those things. It's that he's really good at making the orange basketball go through the hoop. So like, <laughs> it, I think it depends on what perspective you have and that to me for the most part is how we can look up to athletes because we're seeing them do great things that we I think all aspire to be able to do whether that be in sports or anything else in our life like we we like watching people who are excellent at what they do because mm-hmm. it's very impressive to us but I don't think it makes a lot of sense to place any sort of like moral worth in in decisions they make because just like Clay talked about like we all mess up so why should we not expect those people to mess up as well and I think it's it's good to have this image and aspire to the good morals that people do espouse but that doesn't mean that we can expect perfection from them because at that point we're just turning them into an idol in our own Mm -hmm. minds Mm
1: -hmm. I think this is a good question to kind of take beyond sports because whether it's an athlete whether it's a singer an actor a celebrity a lot of times because we see these people so much on our televisions on social media we feel like we know them. We feel like they're almost our friends in a way. And there's nothing wrong with admiring people for how good they are at their job. And even there are some athletes, like you said, that you can admire for the way that they handle themselves, the way that they act. But it gets it gets a little um, on a slippery slope when we start making them an idol, if you will. Making them be someone who takes up a lot of space in our hearts and someone who takes up a lot of space in our minds. I know some people who are crushed when their favorite singer or or, you know, sports star makes a decision that they don't like, They'll you know, or they'll spend all their money on, you know, going to see them in a certain place. And we have to remember that while it's important for us to have people to look up to, we need to make sure we're looking up to the most important person. And that's Jesus. I mean, we need to make sure that he is our, our biggest role model. And so when you're looking up to athletes, and you're really putting a lot of time and maybe even money watching them thinking about them you need to remember that that's not who you should model your life after and we have a responsibility to make sure that god's word and and christ are what is consuming our lives more so than our favorite athlete or favorite entertainer whatever you want to put in there
0: Mm, yeah i think that's absolutely right thinking about some other things uh i guess in a similar vein though uh Why do you believe that, you know, making these idols out of sports people or sports themselves, uh, there's such a temptation for that in the Western world? Uh, Like, there's a lot of people who will miss it for their kids' sports, they'll miss it for, you know, their favorite teams on television, they'll miss it for the Super Bowl. You know, why do you think that there is this temptation to skip out on our responsibilities to the Lord and to the Assembly uh, for something like sports which seems trivial
1: yeah without getting it too much into the next question because they kind of go hand in hand I think the reason is because people sometimes are more interested and passionate about sports than they are spiritual things in the church I know that sounds harsh but you know I think the goal of this podcast is to speak the truth and we want people to know like what is going on and I think a big problem is that sometimes people get more invested in the things that are in the world because they spend more time with them every day. They spend more time watching, they spend more time playing. I know that's a temptation for me. And so suddenly that becomes a more important part of your life than church does, than spiritual things do. And when everybody at work, when every all your friends are talking about sports, you don't want to be the one to miss out on that. And so there is a temptation just like anything, to say, well, I want to be cool. I want to. I want to know things. I want to know what's going on. And so you go with what you're more interested in. And what I really think that points to is that we need to make sure that spiritual things, that studying our Bibles, that being with one another, that is something that we love, that we care about in our lives. Because if it isn't, then sports is gonna something like sports is gonna fill that void. Um, and so it really comes down to like what do you place emphasis on in your life? And if you don't, then there is a big temptation to put that first. Mm.
2: Yeah, and I mean how we manage our time I think again is something that transcends sports whether that whether that be, you know, movies or you know even, you know, exercise, whatever that may be, all those things can easily be placed above the spiritual things if we don't watch ourselves and I think another thing that allows us to to make sports even more difficult in our lives is because of the fact that a lot of events are live and When you're watching a television show, I think in our minds, it's a lot easier to just say like, Oh, I can, I can watch this television. I can watch this show later because it's recorded or it comes out Mm -hmm. on Netflix and whatever. And then with sports, it's, it feels more urgent. And, you know, that's obviously part of the product is that they're trying to lock you in all the time. And that I think is what we have to be really careful about because we sports are really easy for us to become super invested with. That's part of fandom. That's part of being interested in any sort of hobby. And I think it just serves us as a reminder here that true sacrifice is not just building a good schedule where we can, you know, watch all our favorite sports and do our spiritual things. It's when we're presented with one or the other, we, we make the right decision. And as somebody who has definitely like had plenty of temptation in my life, you know, hope I would hope that I'm, getting more mature with that every day to choose one over the other. I I can't remember really any time where I've been in between watching a sporting event and going to a singing or a group meeting or whatever that I get done with the singing. And then I'm like, man, I really wish I had just like set, set at home and watch this baseball game that probably is going to have no impact on my life. And so I think we just have to make sure we're looking ahead to these things rather than just sitting in the moment and and doing what might seem easier. And also like, I, I, this is something that has existed since I've been alive. Like record the game. If it's really, if it's really that important to you and you want to watch it later, like just record it and tell your friends to keep their mouths shut and and don't tell you the score because it it might seem like it's live. And and obviously like there's going to be some parts of it. Like you may not get to scroll through Twitter when it's live and see all your favorite people's thoughts on the game as you're watching it. But there, there are ways to keep your priorities straight and, and still enjoy some of the things that you like to do. And sacrificing the worldly things for the spiritual is part of the core calling of being a Christian. And this includes sports as well. So I, I'm a very logical person in nature. And, and for me, the logic of choosing sports over the spiritual can become very dangerous very quickly because if sports are more important than anything else can be, because at that point you, you've you compromised what is supposed to be at the top. So I think those priorities have to be established for anything, and sports are obviously one of the things at the top of the list for most people to consider.
0: Hmm. Strong words.
1: I, so. I think this is a good question to ask you, Alexander, too. Uh, hmm. I know you don't have your co-host here today. So, hmm. um, you know, as, as someone who is, you know, doing the Lord's work and being a preacher and seeing people's lives, you know, what do you – It sports isn't the only thing. Why? Why do you think people – you know, may be tempted to pass over spiritual things for worldly things. And what, what would you encourage people to kind of remember as, as they're trying to live a Christian
0: life? Mm. I was definitely not expecting to be thrown back at me, but I, uh, I do appreciate that. One of the things I have seen is I don't want to ride too much on what Andrew just said, but I think that there is this reality that people don't like the sacrifice aspect of Christianity. They like it when it's really convenient. Um, for instance, I hear prayed a lot that we're really thankful that we live in a country where we're free to worship the way that we can. Yeah, I'm thankful for that too. But I get scared when I hear that so often because it makes it seem almost as if if that goes away when Christianity is less convenient, then there goes my faith. So I think that a lot of that plays into the same way people view sports is like sports are convenient. I have I feel like I have more fun or I'm more entertained when I'm at those things or I want my kid to be an athlete I want them to fulfill the dreams that I wasn't able to accomplish or something like that so instead of teaching them that the Christian life is about sacrifice and that there's more important things in life than whatever sporting activity they're in uh, I think that's it's, it's sad for me to see but I think that's a, a big thing don't want to sacrifice for Christ and I, that's one of, the, honestly, been for me as I'm. We're going to talk about one of the hard things for me is when I see that as someone who who is an evangelist at a congregation. It's hard for me to see people choose sports over Jesus so often. Um, when I was growing up, my parents emphasized to us that the only thing that we were going to miss church for or a gospel meeting for was if we were sick. That's it. So, like, no, no band, no, if we had a sport thing, nothing would get in the way. So, like, I really value that because now, you know, I'm reminded that church is my priority and being with the people who are at my church is a priority. However, one of the things that has come as a result of that is when I was growing up and still to this day, I have to battle against this mentality that uh, people who miss for sports or some, for other things like that, I have a tendency to look down on them. And kind of, you know, as we talked about pride earlier, kind of look down on them with this uh, self-assurance about myself. So I wanted to get you guys, pick your brains on how you think we should be handling people who uh, miss for reasons like that. Number one, and how we don't look down on them. And number two, how do we encourage them uh, when they do miss for reasons like that?
1: well i i I feel strongly about this i'm not gonna lie so i might talk for a while (laughs) (laughs) so do you want me to go or yeah okay um i feel strongly about this because like you mentioned at the top I, i played sports sports take up a lot of my time as far as what i'm focused in but something i've always kept in the back of my mind and my parents did a good job like you said those don't take priority over spiritual things those don't take priority over serving god because when that happens then you're no longer living the life that you should as a Christian, whether you're missing church or not, you, you start to put that ahead of God. Mm. And you, you talked about how do we not look down on those people? We don't need to mistake looking down on people though, with calling something out that's wrong. You know, if you lie and you murder, I can look at God's word and I can tell you that that's incorrect. And that's not me looking down on you. That's, that's telling you truth and telling you you need to do better. Mm. And I think we can do the same thing with this subject. Now there are one-off situations if you're traveling and you can't make it to the local church that night. You know, I'm not going to say everything is is black and white like you should be there. But I will say I have seen Christians, I have seen people skip church when they could go simply because they wanted to go watch a game, simply because they wanted their kids to go play. And I just don't see where we find that is acceptable in God's sight. And this is why I I came prepared with with scripture on this one. (laughs) When you read the Ten Commandments, the second commandment is you shall have no other God before me. You shall have no other idol before me. Now, he may have been talking about physical there, but tell me about how if you're making a conscious choice not to to skip church and go see a sporting event, you're not breaking that command. Now, that's Mm -hmm. the old law. In the new law, we're told you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How are you setting that example? How are you doing that if you're choosing to put a physical thing over spiritual things. And then you think about actually what we get out of church. We use Hebrews 10, 25, a lot of don't forsake the assembly. But why, why is that? It's because we want to stir one another up to love and good works. We want to encourage one another. That's what that passage is actually saying. Are you telling me that it's more important for you to go see a sporting event to fulfill that need in your life than to maybe encourage your brother and encourage someone who really needs it? Mm. And then lastly, this is the biggest one to me we are commanded as christians to be a light in the world to be people who show those who are not Christians christ and so when they ask us why we're not at church what 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 are you doing here don't don't you have church tonight and our answer is i thought the sporting event was more important to come to the (laughs) church how does that look no that's not being a good example that's not showing where our priority is and i i've done a lesson on this before I hate the word priorities, that word shouldn't exist because you can only have one more most important thing. And so when you choose, if sports and God are a priority in your life, you're going to have to pick between one. And so you're showing which one is more important, sometimes at least, when you choose sports over that. I feel really strongly on this because I think the argument here, and this will be the last thing I say. Is that, are you really getting worked up over me missing one service, me missing one get together to go to a sporting event? And yes, maybe that is getting a little too mad, but at the same time, that shows a heart issue and God cares about the heart. And it's more about the principle that you're willing to sacrifice, you know, spiritual things, putting God first over something that's trivial. And when we set that precedent, Andrew mentioned this earlier, then you're willing to let anything go. That is such a slippery slope because suddenly you start cutting God out more and more of the picture. And so I would really encourage people that if you struggle with that, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not looking down on you because there's all things we struggle with. But really evaluate what's most important in your life because God and the things we do to worship him and to spend time with our brethren, that should be number one.
2: Yeah. To me, that's the the big point of all of this is, are my actions backing up the fact that I claim that God is my number one priority? And I think for, for some people like Clay mentioned, the specifics of that might look slightly different. Um, like there were times like growing up, I played travel baseball. There were times that I worshiped at a congregation, you know, out of town because we were out, playing baseball some in some other part of the state or in a different state and then you know I went and played that day there there might be some people that would would take issue with that and say you know you should you should be in your home congregation if, if you have the ability to and you know those people obviously like if that's what they believe that's fine too and so there is I think some gray area in some of these things but the principle of of what my family tried to do and I think what my parents did a good job of instilling in me was church is still the priority. And for us, it's like, sometimes that meant we left a game early, or I was late to a game coming back from services. And that resulted in me not playing that day or those kind of things. But I also think that that provided us a good opportunity to show other people like, Hey, this is the priority. And if, if they butt heads, we're, we're going to choose one over the other every single time. And So there, I'm not going to say that there's one specific way to handle this in every scenario, but the, the question should be, am I showing others what my priorities or priority as Clay mentioned are in my life? And if, and if I'm showing them the wrong thing, then, then I need to change that. And obviously, you know, there's, like I mentioned with gray area, like Things can get difficult sometimes when, like, if somebody's a scholarship athlete, you know, is that different than somebody missing church because of work, because that's supporting them financially? There, there are things that make these very difficult questions, but I think the principle of church coming before everything else is something that everybody can evaluate in their own lives and figure out if they're really
0: doing what they should be. I don't have a ton more to add on that. That was excellent. Um, so I, I think both of them uh, are enforcing, of course, this our idols aren't the same as the golden calf, but they do look like whatever takes the place of God as the priority of our lives, whatever we're dedicated to. Um, my advice uh, when we're talking about these situations, uh, as Clay already mentioned, we shouldn't be. I'm not trying to look down on you, but you have to understand for yourself, if you're going to label yourself as a Christian, that is supposed to be the most important thing of your life. It's supposed to be the essence of who you are. Um, So when you transform that into whatever sports you're participating in or all that, it, it just makes a mess. So as people who are supposed to be dedicated to Christ, this is our calling. This is our goal.
2: Yeah. And I think like when we, when we talk to people in other parts of our life, we know how to motivate them. Like when we, when we explain, you know, if somebody's in my, in my group, in my, one of my grad courses and they're not putting in the effort they should be, I don't go up to them and say, you're doing nothing. You're destroying this group. I go up and say, Hey, like we would really appreciate if you started to put in more effort and help our group out. And I think that's the same way that we should treat these types of things is we can go up to somebody and say like, Hey, it would really encourage me if I saw you make church the priority. And I think other people would see that as well and really appreciate it. Like sell, don't just condemn them for what they've done, sell them on why they should change because that's really, what's going to motivate them is showing them what the right answer is. Not just that, Hey, you're, you're doing another bad thing and you need to fix that.
1: Yeah, amen, everything Sully just said. And, and the last thing that I'll add is I, I want to read. This is probably one of my favorite verses of the Bible. and We've already hit on this subject a lot, but I want to read Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is Paul talking to the Roman brethren, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Alexander, you hit on this sacrifice aspect. We have to understand as Christians, as people who are serving God, that that means sometimes we will not get to do what we want to do. And if you are tempted to put something ahead of God, take sports out of the equation, you have to remember that sometimes that's that's okay. That you still have an obligation to put God first, even if it's not what you want to do. But I would also say that if you're struggling to find motivation to go to church, to go to spiritual things, my encouragement, as Sully would say, is first, we need to be kind to those people. We should not look down upon them. But I would encourage you to find a way to to love the Lord, study study His Word, spend time with other people. We should have a a desire and a want to be around people who are worshiping God and and be around His, His Word. And I think that takes care of a lot of the temptation and problems of of skipping spiritual things, focusing on worldly things, is that you have to make the Lord and his word and his ways really the most important thing in the love of your life.
0: I think it's pretty telling of our culture that we would have almost this this acknowledgement that, oh yeah, our savior died on a cross for us, but then we're willing to so easily substitute him out and treat the sport like it's going to love us back the same way that Jesus does. It's to our shame in that way. So, we have to be very considerate about that. Uh, all right. Anybody else we want want to say anything on sports idolatry before we move on?
2: Yeah, I'll add like one quick thing. I mean, I think what Clay said there's really important cuz like if if we feel way better after watching a sport sport than we do after worship, then that's that doesn't mean you should watch sports that means like that needs to be the thing that's reevaluated. Like if, if that's where you're at and don't get me wrong like I when I was younger like I probably I was definitely like that. So like well you know when I was in high school I'm sure I was 100% there. So like I'm not, you know, just saying that everybody who does that, you know, is lost cause whatever, but that does need to be something that changes because yeah, it, obviously you're going to have a natural desire to do the things you enjoy. So worship just has to become that. Like that's the thing that has to change
1: there. Hmm. I think accountability is a big part of this too. Like I I think I don't think there's anything wrong with with telling people like, Hey, I, I would love to for you to do this differently and here's my reasoning. I, I care about you. And I would hope that either of you, you know, Charlie, if I missed or I skipped something and you found out it was because I put something worldly ahead of the spiritual that you would say something to me. I I, I would appreciate that because I need to be held in check. And so I think that's an important part of this too, is we need to be holding each other accountable and making sure we're all trying to, to serve God the best we can mm-hmm.
0: yeah, absolutely the accountability factor of a church that cannot be underestimated um, so we have to take that into consideration and so be accountable to each other as Andrew brought up speak with tact make sure that you're saying it in a way that is respectful and kind towards that person but it is also with the fair judgment of saying hey this is what needs to be your priority um, so make an ad of so we're going to go ahead and talk about one more thing before this podcast is over. Uh, so we're going to talk about the value of sports. Thank you all for listening thus far. We're going to take another quick break. As you can tell, uh, I like sports, but also our guests like sports a lot, too. And I believe that sports even have value to understanding our, our faith, our relationship with God, uh, and all of that. So we're going to be talking a little bit in this last section about the values that we think sports can bring for uh, for Christians and thinking through some of the more important aspects of our life, as well as how we evangelize and reach out to people Who have sports as their God and telling them that there is a better savior out there. Uh, So one of the first things I want to bring out about sports is this innate need for community and humanity. Um, I try my best not to be a very vitriolic fan. Uh, I love my teams to death. I'm very passionate about all of my sports. Um because some of them are like connected to my dad and the relationship that we have. Some of them I found kind of by myself and because of that, I'm really attached to them. Um, but I've really never understood people who are angry at other people enough to like fight them or even has happened uh, in Alabama since I moved here, kill people over a sporting event. That's just wild to me. Um, but, and, and like, especially being a Christian, these things are overall inconsequential in the reality. Um, but a lot of people put a lot of value in their sports and their teams because they find a new family in this community they have in this team. So it can be small to us looking in from the outside, but humans need each other and we value community and it's extremely unhealthy for us to be isolated from one another. So that value of a community emphasizes the need for every Christian to be a part of a church or every person to let go and be a part of a church. Uh, because that community aspect, we already mentioned uh, keeping each other accountable. That's really important. Fending off loneliness. Um, the highest reported happiness in a COVID world were the people who are consistently at church even through COVID. Um uh, all things, all those things between battling loneliness, accountability, love, all that's built into the church. Um, so uh, the value, I think, of sports is learning that community is important. And I think that's a big part of our evangelistic pitch, if you will, to other people. That church is a greater community uh, attached to an even greater sir- savior. Uh, anybody else have anything on that idea?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think sports are also something that you can leverage to further the community with people from church and whether that I I remember the the preacher that is currently at the congregation I attend back home said one time um, I never play around a round of golf by myself basically saying I can go do the things I enjoy but I can also go you know spend time with other Christians or you know somebody that maybe isn't a Christian and build relationships with people and enjoy time with other people and so I also think that's something that's, you know, uh, uh, important for us is, you know, when we are, when we do decide like, Hey, I'm going to spend this afternoon, you know, watching some football cheering on my favorite team, like, Hey, can I, can I invite somebody else over to spend time with me? Is there somebody else that I think might, you know, appreciate, you know, watching this game with me, whether it be like a fan of the same team or, or somebody that's, um, that's just, you know, looking for something to do. And along with that, I think, You know, common interests are something that unite us. Whether that be like, whether that be a movie or a TV show or or sports. Like one of one of my closest friends, I met because of a couple sports teams that we liked, and then he, you know, he ended up becoming a Christian. So it's like, it's something that obviously is completely meaningless. But just like anything else, we we can use those things in our lives to, to to further a a relationship and something that's a lot more important. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I'll take the team aspect part of it where like maybe you are are on a team, maybe you like playing sports. I think that's one of the best things about sports is it it does teach us some lessons that we find in the church. This idea of rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. As a part of a team, it's not if I succeed, the team succeeds. If we if I if if the team fails, I fail. It, it's it's hand in hand and you have to learn that it goes back to that pride thing. It's not really about me anymore. It creates this sense of community, and you now have people that you care about. You have people that are relying on you, and you rely on them, and it creates trust. And that is all pointing towards a much better community, as you already mentioned, in the church, that as much as we can get along as fans, as members of a team, there is something much more important relationship-wise that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can have all those same things, cheering for one another, taking pride in each other's successes, but also being there for each other when we fail. And I think that's a beautiful thing in sports that I love that also points toward, like you already mentioned, the church.
0: For sure. So you heard it here. Really take responsibility and ownership for your part and your responsibility as a part of a church. I think we've, we've talked about that a lot. I think that's extremely important. Um, another thing that I thought about when it comes to s- valuing sports is the need of, for all of us, when it comes to redemption, uh, one of the, I, one of the reasons I can't watch like sports injuries, especially leg injuries anymore is cause I got pranked on Twitter back when Paul George injured himself. They were like, look at this and crazy Paul George play. And then he just shatters his leg. It was one of the most heartbreaking and disturbing images I've ever seen, um, but I'd like to think that Paul George's career isn't defined by the injury, but rather how he came back from that and the exceptional player that he is. Um, but there are other instances where redemption is needed in a, in a sense that, you know, that's not Paul George's fault. He you know, broke his leg. You can't do anything about that. But then we have Henry Ruggs, which is a very recent incident. And his drunk DUI ended in the death of an innocent bystander. Uh, so it's a horrific in, uh, incident. He deserved to be punished for it. Absolutely. But the problem is we look at Henry Ruggs or we look at a lot of especially young athletes and we're like, look how irresponsible they are. Um, Look how not deserving of redemption they are. And the reality is when we say something like that or when we take that perspective, we forget that none of us are worthy of redemption on our own. So. There needs to be both this really good sense of justice, but also a good sense of knowing that no one is perfect and Henry Ruggs can be redeemed. He can put his trust in Christ and repent of the things that he's done and seek to live a different life. Um, So it's very important that we never in a situation like that forget that we are undeserving of grace and that we need it. So um, I think there's a lot of redemption stories in in sports. I think that's great. I think that's something that we can use in our evangelism when we talk about uh, uh, this important topic. So, Anybody else have anything to say on that idea?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think especially, you know, social media, I think, contributes a lot to the just like pile on a guy when he's down kind of mentality. and. I, I do think there's a, a you know, there's a difference in a, like a, a little joke versus you know actually you know piling on a guy and saying that like his you know his career's ruined, he's never going to come back from this, that you know he's just a terrible person kind of thing. But I do think it's a reminder to us that, you know if, if that person was not a public figure, if that person was somebody we knew and were close friends with, w- would we think about the situation in the same way? or would we have a lot more sympathy? for that person knowing maybe what they could potentially be dealing with or going through. And like you said, the, I mean, a lot of these athletes are like my age, like they're, I mean, they're handling so much at at a a young age, just with the nature of, you know, when people are are generally the most physically fit in their lifetime. So yeah, I mean, I think like with anything else, like we, we definitely have to make sure that, you know, we're not, we're not judging people um, just offhand and that we're, we're responsible in the way that we talk about other people.
1: Yeah, I'll just say amen to the both of you. And you know, sports like anything, you're gonna you're gonna succeed, you're gonna fail sometimes. That's just how it is. And so, we need to make sure that we're being kind and and thinking kind about whoever we cheer for, whoever we don't like. And at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, you know, we need to realize sports is, doesn't give us a, a a way out of acting like a Christian and treating people like they deserve to be treated.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I will add like, you know, here like. we'll we'll test Alexander's patience here. Like me, like saying Stetson Bennett is a fraud does not like, I I don't think that like that carries the same weight as, you know, somebody saying that like Henry Ruggs is irredeemable and like, he doesn't like has, you know, I'm never going to forgive him for what he's done. That kind of thing. Like there, there are fun ways that we can talk about sports that, that don't, I think carry heavy weight, but when we are discussing serious things when we're talking about people like these still are real people mm-hmm. and so we have to make sure that we're, we're thinking about that as as such
0: absolutely <clears throat> all right uh so let's see I, i've gone through my two values that i think can help us or when we think about our christian faith uh anybody else have any ideas they want to bring out
2: Okay, yeah, I can I can give one. And I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, so I won't spend too much time on it. But learning work ethic I think is something that is very valuable from sports and is I think somewhat unique in the, the utility it provides in that. You know, for me, like as a kid, I, I was not the most athletic kid. You know, I had like decent hand eye coordination, but I wasn't fast, I wasn't that athletic. Um but you you still have a chance in sports to develop a lot of other things like your mechanics, your training, your decision making and I think I learned a lot personally and I, I know a lot of other people have as well of, you know, the time that it takes to get good at something, the, the opportunity that you have to improve and see progress and, you know, the encouragement that that can bring. And I knew like I was never going to become a great baseball player. I was never going to go play D1. I, I just, I don't think I was born with that type of athleticism, but I still was able to learn a lot through the time that I put in, you know, whether it be hitting or pitching mechanics and, sports also, I think taught me a lot about, you know, working out the importance of exercise, something that I think is really valuable for us as we, you know, we're trying to take care of our physical bodies on this earth. And they just allow you to realize that you can do hard things with consistent effort, which is, you know, as we've mentioned, something that applies to Christians as well. And I I've heard this quote before. I don't know exactly who started it, but you know, this was an, athlete, an athletic director that I, I found quoting. It said sports are a microcosm of life, what you do in sports, you're going to eventually do in life. There can be frustrations, happy times, bad times, and highs and lows. Sports help prepare you for those life experiences. So as we mentioned earlier, that doesn't mean they're more important than real life or that you know they're more valuable, but there are ways that we can we can learn valuable lessons from sports and really feel like we've made strides in improving something and getting better at something and learn a lot of lessons that can help us down the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you brought us on today because we both have sports podcasts. We both, you know, seemingly love them. And I don't want it to come off like the first two topics that we were like just pooping on the very thing that we have podcast about. Like, obviously, we care about them very much. I have them a part of my life. And for all the reasons we've talked about, I think they provide so many good things. Like Sully said, sports are fun. And we're supposed to have fun in life. We're supposed to enjoy it and get out and, and, you know, be able to do things with our bodies, keep, keep us fit. But I think that idea of having a really good work ethic is so important because I know me and Alexander recently started playing disc golf and people may not care about that at all, but I was terrible at it when I first started. I, I could barely throw it, but because I stayed at it, I, I practiced, and you know, luckily COVID allowed me to kind of have time to do that. I'm a, I am can play it much differently now. And I just think that shows that hard work pays off and you have to apply yourself to something that you want to get better at. And that really is shows the, the Christian walk, right, is – this is, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And mm-hmm. we're all trying to get better each and every day. Like Sully said, we're going to have highs, we're going to have lows, we're going to fail, but you have to keep working. And you have to have that confidence that eventually it's going to pay off. And that's, I think, the biggest lesson from sports that I love is that if you really take time to pour your heart and soul into something, you can be good at it. And there's nothing more important than pouring your heart and soul into being a Christian, to serving God, because we have – The best reward ever, you know, Mm -hmm. I can shoot a perfect round and disc golf and golf, whatever. It's nothing compared to heaven. It's nothing compared to getting to the end of my, my walk, my discipline as a Christian and getting to spend eternity with, with God and with Christ. And certainly that's the most important thing. And I think it's, it's a, it's a good way to end is because we're talking about things that are actually happy, but, and things that we should enjoy doing as is not just playing sports, but because we're Christians
0: for sure. One thing I also want to consider is like when we, as we think about starting off bad at something, everything when you start off as a Christian is going to be tough. Like there are some things that maybe you're more naturally gifted at, but having people over to your house and being hospitable, that's not really a 21st century American thing to have a lot. So it's going to take work and effort to get in that evangelism. It's going to, you're going to be rough to start off with. But when you trust and hand your your uh, the goodness over to God and trust in Him and just keep working and keep doing, the fruit will come. So I think that's absolutely something we uh, certainly learn from sports there.
2: And, and to that point, like I think it also kind of humbles us a little bit, and you know that certainly happens in our Christian walk. But you know when I go try to play a sport for the first time, I, I mean I consider myself as somebody that can pick stuff up like that at least decently quick compared to most people. But I'm still going to look like an idiot if I try to play a sport for the first time that I have have never played before, and it's just a reminder to us that like again like we're not you know we're not amazing at everything we're not going to be uh, perfect at like you said evangelism or hospitality when we first start making that effort but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop trying because we can improve on those things and and that's that's something we should aspire to do. Um, anything I want to add before I hit on the second one? All right. So my last one here is about learning how to lose and also how to win. And we've talked about this a little bit already as well. But, you know, especially in the sport I played baseball, like an average hitter probably is going to fail about 70% of the time. The best players are going to fail about 60% of the time if you're talking about them uh, when they're hitting. And you know when you're playing sports as a team, odds are you're going to win about as much as you lose unless you just go to a very, uh, if you get lucky with where you go to high school and your team is really successful, most of the time you're going to win about as much as you lose. And with that, I think comes learning how to deal with failure. And we've already talked about the fact that losing doesn't give us any excuse to treat others poorly, but I think there's a lot of ways that that translates to our life as well because Just like that, when we have a bad day at work, that doesn't give us any excuse to come home and be a jerk to our wife or mistreat other people around us. And being able to move on from those kind of things and understand, like we've mentioned a lot, the bigger picture is really important. And sports also help us understand that we can learn from failure, that we can work to improve constantly. And that's something that is vital for Christians because we know we're going to fail. That's something that is a hundred percent certainty for us, but we still can learn from that and improve from it and become a better person on the back end because of it. And on the flip side, sports hopefully also teach us how to deal with success. They teach us that oftentimes the group effort is more important than the individual. And they also remind us that humility and grace for our teammates or our opponents is essential because they're not going to be perfect either. And odds are, even if you are super successful, you're not going to be on top for long. So I, I think sports are just a good reminder for us that humility is essential in, in this life. And, and it is in sports as well, because you're never going to always be on top.
0: Okay. We're wrapped up with uh, the serious stuff. So if, I figured since we had them on, we would have a little bit of a fun activity uh, to close us out here. Uh, originally, because I'm a little bit silly, uh, we were gonna do eleven on eleven, like a whole football team. But actually we're gonna do now just a nice little basketball team based off of five uh Bible characters and uh no trinity. They aren't they aren't allowed. Automatically overpowered team. So uh we're gonna put together a team. Uh Andrew and, and Clay put together one, I put together one, and uh we'll just talk through why we justify having these guys on our team. Uh so do you guys want to go point guard, point guard, or do you want to go whole team? I say, I
2: team. say we put everybody in the board and it's a draft. And once somebody's off, they're
0: gone. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: I think that's the most fun way because then we gotta like see whose team is best at the end. Sounds
1: good. Okay. Yeah. All you right. want you want first pick, Alexander, or you want us
0: to? Uh, I think I want my first pick. All right, All right go, go, go for ahead. it. Okay. Uh, definitely for my point guard, I can go in Barnabas. Yeah. Explanation? Uh you know, he's not really he's never really the center of attention. I'm more of a traditional point guard guy. I want that guy to be very good at dribbling and passing. So it's not about him. He's gonna make everybody else better. And I think that's part of his son of encouragement. So
1: Alright, All so right. you wanna go with our first pick?
2: Yeah, I'll do this one. All right. First off the board, we're going with Goliath at center. We're just going to (laughs) overpower this team. This is like Shaq in the early 2000s. We're going like 38 points, 17 rebounds in the finals. Like hopefully God is not against him like he was in the Bible and we'll have some more success than he did. But yeah, we're going Goliath at center. We just thought like this for us, we're like, he is so much bigger than everyone else that we have to get him before Someone mm. else does, so that's our first pick. Yeah,
0: that's, that's
1: yeah, we, maybe we should have. Uh, you're <laughs> you might be going with more of the personality. We went with more of the uh, actual physical. <laughs> hey, stuff.
0: We, have some, we
2: have some personality too. Yeah, we it's do, not we all, do we it's do. not all that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I'm definitely not going to draft Saul as my center anymore. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, scared of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, my character does align with that. My next pick, I'm a shooting guard. I want David. He's uh, got a great shot, so I'll take him there.
1: <laughs> Man, you took. Would you like to explain, Alexander? Because that was going to be my my pick next.
0: Yeah, uh, I I just think I think he can shoot the rock. You know. <laughs> I yeah, mean, we were drafting him. We so. were
1: gonna go with him at, before I pick, I'll explain. We were gonna go with him at point guard because you talk about a leader. I mean, That's he true. protected his sheep from the bears and the lions, then he kills Goliath. And I know that was kind of that was gonna be kind of be our big thing is that we were pairing up David and Goliath, a very controversial thing. Mm. But imagine on the same team running a pick and roll, like uh, indefensible. And you already mentioned the shooting prowess, and we know he was a good leader, we know he was a man after God's own heart. Unfortunately, we won't get to make that pairing. So yeah. um, we'll go ahead and go big here. Um, we're going to get Samson at our power forward spot. <laughs> so we may not have kind of the, the skilled guards, you know, and may the leadership, but our brawn and our strength is going to be the, the the kind of hallmark of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Goliath and Samson as a one-two combo, there's there's not many rebounds available.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can score, man. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, thinking about a tough, a tough guy character, I guess at my at small forward. Uh, I went with Peter, The Rock. Uh, very flexible. I think in his defensive abilities, very stubborn character. Um, but I, I think he could also be a pretty good leader there from from that position. So.
2: Yeah, we were hoping to get him as like a backup. We were we were just thinking he's gonna be like Pat Bev, just like he's just <laughs> instigating, like always, always going like a hundred percent, like never, like all gas all the time, just full on. Hopefully a little more respectful than Pat Bev, but yeah, we we like the Peter pick. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Clay, are you good with art four?
1: uh yeah do you want me to explain
2: that one i can i can do it uh but all right so if we're for our next pick we're going with the shooting guard and we're going methuselah i think we need a little bit of stability now on this team with samson and goliath like not sure how much i trust them to be like fully engaged every night like ready to go probably gonna like there's gonna be some regular season nights where like they just don't bring it they're just not engaged so we're clay is thinking like what's the most stable guy who can we depend on for the longest and that's methuselah we just think you know he's always going to be there he's the iron man like playing 82 games every season so we went with him at shooting guard
1: and our our logic was you know 969 years is a long time to get good at something so hopefully at some point you know the shot the shot gets going and you know like like, it's like the ten thousand hours rule except the thousand
0: years rule (laughs)
1: yeah like Andrew said, we're hoping he's kind of the Iron Man of our team.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, that's that's Russell Westbrook pre-Pat Bev. Yeah. Uh, let's see. At, at power forward, I went with uh, probably the most, the most toxic person I I could find. Uh, and That's Joab. He's just. He's gonna bully you, and disrespect you, and not care about your feelings. Um, you could curse his family. He's still gonna just go and destroy you. So. Job is my power forward.
1: That's a good pick. Um, for our small forward spot, we actually got four out of the five starting five for us. We're going to go Elijah. Uh, you already kind of mentioned it in the actual episode, but he has a history of being a good runner. Um, you know, he seems to be able to do some miraculous things. I don't know if that's going to be allowed in the field of play here, but he is kind of, the, the I guess, the moral compass of this team to this point. You know, he he seems to be uh, the guy that we know for a fact was was trying to do what God wanted him to do and therefore is going to keep this team in line. And if he has some athletic ability as well, then that'll certainly... Anything to just add to Goliath and Samson at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, At center, I have Zacchaeus. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But my center pick is, uh, is Nehemiah. Not only for the dad joke of Nehemiah, but also when it comes to defense and building a wall, who are you going to pick? Nehemiah. So,
2: <laughs> I like it. I mean, that's going to be the way you have to defend Samson and Goliath. It's just like put the wall up, don't let him in the paint. So yeah. that makes sense. All right. I think we're going to now, assuming – are we taking a coach still? Are we still doing that? Yeah. Okay. We're going to go ahead. We're going to save our point guard pick for the end. Um, we're going to take the coach now. And we're going with Solomon. Uh, we need the most wise guy that you can possibly have, especially you know with some of the guys we already mentioned. Like, not sure how much I trust these guys to be fully engaged, but hopefully Solomon is wise enough to get them motivated to play every single night. You know, sometimes you see now in like the modern NBA, the spacing when you have two big guys isn't always great. So, with somebody as smart as Solomon, hopefully, we figure out how to work both those guys into the offense consistently. So, we're gonna go with Solomon as our coach, with
0: with the wisdom he provides. Mm. Well, I'm definitely gonna go with Joshua as my coach. Uh, I think the the utter decline that Israel had after he left the picture is a testament to how good of a leader he was. Had his slips up here, slip up here and there, but consistent uh problems to the promised land. So <laughs> Joshua. All
1: right, uh for our last pick, it's kind of a tough one here, but since we're going point guard, I'm I'm going to go Abraham. Um kind of what we mentioned earlier with I think Barnabas like Abraham always willing to step in and kind of facilitate and be the leader you know he saves a lot when he when he needs to. He's asking God to save the city of Sodom and Gomorrah um You always kind of see Abraham and of course he is the father of Israel I mean that's what he's known as, so I think he's just a great leader for our squad, always willing to sacrifice even his own son, so I mean whatever is needed to be done, Abraham's going to step up to the task and do it and I really think he's just a perfect leader for for our team
0: there we go very well thought out <laughs> all right well thank you guys for indulging me that was fun <laughs> yeah that was fun uh well i appreciate having these guys on again i'm gonna leave both of their uh podcasts and the link so please check them out uh especially if you you know you're looking for that type of content And we're also hopeful that this podcast has been helpful for you in your Christian walk, evaluating how we compete, and even if you're not a huge sports person, uh, how the Christian life is supposed to be consistently applied, not just at church or anything else like that. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll be back in in next week. And uh, God bless you. See you.